Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It is Thursday. It is a new league year. We've all woken up to a new league year, and we are here, Rich and I, to take you through all the deals that have happened since the clock struck 8 o'clock or 4 p.m. Eastern time uh, that have happened since uh, our boy Rob was on the air and took you through the last deals of legal tampering period. Rich, happy new league year to you. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Happy new league year. Um, yes, it's interesting, isn't it? We, we you know, we had a, a manic start to free agency. New league year started and, and suddenly it's all gone very quiet and uh, there was hardly any deals last night. Yeah, it, it was it was a strange one. I mean, we had some big players come off the board. Um but yeah, I don't. Again, I, I kind of thought that there would be a little bit more activity. We did, like I said, we did see some big players come off the board, but there's definitely still some big names out there, and we're going to get to get to them. So let's talk about the big news. Then we'll talk about who's left. Maybe make some predictions with some of the big names and selected other names left to see where we think they might land. And then we'll go through the rest of the news that has happened yesterday uh, and go from there. Um, so let's cover the first deal. So the first official deal of the new league year was Marlon Mack re-signing with the Colts on a, on a one-year deal. He tore his Achilles in week one last season. Are Jonathan Taylor truthers a little bit 
panicky this morning to this news? I don't think so. I think, you know, we've, we've seen essentially Twitter and, and the kind of the fantasy community blow up almost every day, haven't we, when a, a running back has signed or, or been added to, to a backfield of a, a league back. I think realistically, most, you know, stud, stud backs are in that sort of 65 to 75% workload. I think anybody that thought Jonathan Taylor was going to get more than sort of 70% workload was probably deluded. Um, I'm not convinced if Marlott Mack, you know, coming from an Achilles, that's quite a brutal injury. Is is he going to be ready for training camp? Is he going to be ready come week one? Maybe not. Um, I think this is a, you know, it's it's a nice, solid deal for the Colts. They know what they're getting in Mack. You can, you know, add him as the the 1B or, or 1C, depending on what you think of Naeem Hines in that offence, and, and it helps keep Taylor fresh. Well, well Naeem Hines is a thing, right? They're, they're, this... You know, he was an RB2 in fantasy last year. A um, bit boom or bust at times, but he, he was definitely an option, um, and especially in the passing game. So I'm, look, I, I've maintained that I really love Jonathan Taylor as a player, and I maintain that he is an exceptional talent. I've always maintained that I do not believe that Jonathan Taylor is a high, high-end fantasy football running back because the opportunity isn't going to go that now when I say a high high end I can't see him being a top five running back next season I know that he got there in the end with a big week 17 and when you look at it I think he snuck in at at number four but there were a lot of injuries to that position to go in there as well and that also helped him get into where he is but if you're looking at the talent He's not better than Christian McCaffrey from fantasy. I'm not talking about just, I'm not talking about the, the, the physical talent. I'm talking about as fantasy football running backs. He's not going to outdo McCaffrey if fully healthy. He's not going to do outdo Saquon if fully healthy. He's not going to outdo Kamara if fully healthy. He's not going to outdo Derek Henry fully healthy. He's not going to do um, Dalvin Cook when fully healthy. So that's already, you've got him. If everything else lands right, you've got him at six. But then you've got other backs that potentially are going to get a high volume of opportunity. James Robinson, I still don't see huge competition. We talked about that. And that's where I'm thinking he is a back end. I think Austin Eckler is going to get a lot more work than he did last season. And I think, well, now where is he? And for me, he's in that 8 to 12 range right now, especially with this move. And I think this pushes him closer to to 10 than, than to 8. Yeah, I, I think, you know, taking a, I guess, a dynasty spin on it, I think his price is probably catapulted far too high for me. You know, he's, he's being taken as the running back three currently in, in startups. Um, that, that's far too rich for me, if I'm being honest. I think he's, a you know, an obvious sell, but you're probably going to struggle to find something that's willing to pay, you know, that three, four out, first round pick price for, for Jonathan Taylor at the moment. So I think he's an interesting... An interesting player. I think I tend to agree with you that I like him as a player. I like him from a fantasy perspective, but I think his cost is going to outweigh his performance this year and, and possibly into next year as well. Yeah, that, that's where I sit with him. Um, and again, it's not a smirch on, on the talent at all. Um, but if he was in a different team, I'd probably be buying a bit more of him. If, it, For example, if him and Dalvin Cook swap teams, I'd probably swap their rankings or close to it. Like that... Almost. Um, but I definitely vault Taylor a lot higher. 
But anyway, um, it's definitely an interesting one. And that signals to me that they do want to rest Taylor. They see themselves as a playoff team, which means down the stretch. And again, the worry could be the fantasy playoffs. If they are in the position where they're going to the playoffs, can't massively improve their seeding, it could mean Taylor could be in that sort of purgatory where he's getting rested for the big games. And that that is something that has to be factored in when you're seeing three good running backs in a, in a, in a team. But let's move on to uh, Hassan Raddick. We've, we've talked about him for a couple of days now. He's finally off the board. He took a one-year, six million guaranteed, eight million total deal with the Panthers as a prove-it deal, which I find fascinating because I cannot believe someone wasn't willing to pay Hassan Reddick more money than that. And I can't believe the Panthers are the best team he could have gone to either. I'm genuinely gobsmacked. Um, I've been slating the Panthers' early free agency moves, you know, overpaying backups and, and kind of fringe starters on the offensive line. And then they go and sign a guy who had, you know, coming off an incredible year and has got great draft capital and, and has shown elite flashes. And you can sign him for a one-year, $6 million prove-it deal. To me, this this is reminiscent of the... You know, the Shaq Barrett to the Bucks deal that goes under the radar. And, and let's be honest, if, if he has a season like he did last year again, we're probably talking about him in that sort of 16 to 18 million dollar range. I think it's a fantastic deal for the Panthers. I think, you know, sticking my Jets hat back on, I'm, I'm pretty annoyed that the Jets weren't sniffing around if, if this is the price, because I'd loved him to, you know, line up the opposite side of the field to, to Carl Lawson. Look, he he took a long time to come on, right? And I understand there is a risk to to him. He's not, he didn't demonstrate it early. But this is a nothing deal, really. This is like, I just don't understand that at all. Um, And I think the Panthers have done unbelievable business here. Because like you said, he doesn't even have to be as good. He only has to be a fraction of the player to get paid. If he produces at 60, 70% of what he produced last year, he's going to earn top money. Well, to be honest, because it's going to be such a jump, he's probably going to get the tag. Because it's going to be such a jump that what he's going to ask, because when a guy goes and takes a prove-it deal and then he delivers, it's like Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett, the reason he was put on the tag was, was COVID. That was the main reason he was put on the tag. He didn't want the tag. He wasn't happy with the tag. Um, and he wouldn't negotiate a new deal until he was not given the tag. So I think Reddick, I think that similarity to the path of of Jack Barrett, who's another player came on late, I think is spot on. And I think they're very, very similar sorts of players. So I, I'm in, impressed with the Panthers there. I think that's a good bit of business. And another good bit of business is the Seahawks, where they've taken Gerald Everett on a one-year deal worth up to $6 million, which again, I think is a snip. I, Everett to me was a player I thought would get eight to 10 million money on a multi-year yeah. deal. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it when we were talking about Johnny Smith to the Pats, wasn't it? I said, I, I think I'd rather Gerald Everett at half the price and and that's what the Seahawks have gone and done. I think, you know, this is a guy that's shown fantastic flashes. He's never really been utilised correctly, I think, in that Rams offence where, you know, they've had a multiple heads. Um, and I think that Seahawks, you know, Russell Wilson has shown propensity to use the tight ends. We've obviously seen Will Disley before his second kind of horrific injury he was a fantastic you know fancy tight end when he was healthy 
and I think that if Gerald Everett can go in there and, and produce what I'm expecting him to, I think he's going to be a fantastic kind of back end, kind of weight on tight end option in, in your redraft leagues. Yeah, uh, I completely, uh, completely agree. I think he, I, I haven't really announced my major strategy move for tight end and I don't think I'm going to do it on, on this show. I think I'm going to wait till I break down the 2020 numbers compare them to the 2019 numbers and, and share my approach um, to that. But um, I think he's as good a dart throw as any. Uh, you're going to get down there um, in that range because he's still going to be cheap. Um, so, uh, yeah, I love the move. I think it's it's good. I would say for him, on a personal level, the Seahawks aren't huge with tight ends. Um, they don't really make tight ends. They use them. Um, you get little flashes with Hollister and we had little flashes with Disley. Admittedly, none of them are as good as, as Everett, so we remain to be seen. But I would have liked to see him got a slightly longer deal for a bit more investment. But I think, again, as a late, late tight end dart throw, he's as good as any up there. Um, let's talk about a guy who's going to shoot up boards uh, as of the news yesterday, especially fantasy boards. And that Washington are going to sign Curtis Samuel to a three-year deal worth $34.5 million. Uh, and he is going to be uh, playing with another former wide, uh, Ohio State wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, you know, he, I think he will settle into that Washington offense as the, you know, the deep threat. I think when he was not this last year, but the year before, the way he was utilized in Carolina was very high A dot, very high, you know, yards per reception. And I think that's kind of what I see him being in this Washington offense. I think we're going to move away from him being that sort of gadget player where you see him lined up in the backfield and that kind of thing. I think he's going to be a, you know, a very traditional outside receiver, go deep. And I think he'd probably be quite boom bust from a fantasy perspective. But I think as a, you know, as a deep threat in that offense, he's going to, you're going to have to shade his safety over the top because of his speed. And I think that it's going to benefit him. I think you'll see a big uptick in production. I think it's going to benefit Terry McLaurin having a, you know, a decent player playing opposite him for the first time in his career. I think it's going to benefit Antonio Gibson because he's probably going to see a few less bodies in the box. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I look at the deals that the, the Washington football team have done. They bought in Fitzpatrick, they bought in Jackson, uh, a corner, and and now they've brought in Curtis Samuel. I really like their window. Rather than going for bodies, they've brought in three really good pieces in terms of what they're trying to achieve, all upgrades at the positions. And all of a sudden now you're looking and thinking, they're, they're in with a good chance of winning that division again next year if they keep adding pieces that they have done. Yeah, I, I think this Curtis Samuel signing, to me, makes makes the Fitzpatrick signing make a little bit more sense. I think if you were just going to pair Fitzpatrick with, you know, a nuanced route runner in, in Terry McLaurin and, and nothing else, maybe, you know, Logan Thomas, but if you're going to give him that deep threat, we, we know love Fitz, you know, Fitz loves chucking it downfield and, and taking those risks. You, you've now got a weapon that's going to make the most of that. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, the Bills are bringing back, um, cornerback Levi Wallace on the one-year deal so they didn't tender him as a restricted free agent but both sides got together to get the deal done Levi Wallace was a seventh round pick I believe and he was unbelievable he might have been in a, a an UDFA 
is very, very low uh, late round flyer. And he, he has been brilliant for the Bills. So I think this is a, a good bit of business to, to get him back and pair him with uh, Tredavis White. Yeah, you, you wonder if the fact they didn't tender him, you wonder if this deal was already in place, you know, a week or two ago. Um, it's very strange that, as you say, whenever a restricted free agent that is a competent player doesn't get tendered. I always think either there's a, a character issue or they've already got a deal in place, quite frankly. So, you know, it's it's a nice proof it deal for him. Hopefully from his side, he can come back in next year after a good year and and command a, a much higher price. But for the Bills, as you said, he's he's a very, very good number two corner opposite Trudeau's right. Yeah, I think it's a win now move. I think it's, they went to the AFC Championship the game. They've gone to Levi Wallace and gone, let's, let's go and try, let's go, let's go all the way. And I think that's that's where they've got it done. And he's had to take a little bit less, but they've made it do. So uh, fair play to both sides. Um, Chiefs are signing uh, former Bears guard Kyle Long, who's come out of retirement. We've talked about him. One-year deal with a max of $5 million. Still not a tackle, but they are really quickly filling the interior, uh, as you sort of suggested a couple of days ago. I wonder if we're going to see him play as a, a right tackle. Um, I think when you go and spend the money on Joe Thune, you've got... Duvernay Tardif coming back, who is an above-average guard. Um, I don't quite understand why you then sign Cole Long as a third guard. I, I presume he's going to end up playing right tackle for the Chiefs. I'm, I may be completely wrong on that. You know, let's be honest, he's had a year out. We don't really know exactly what he's got left in the tank. I think with some of these physical positions, you know, you saw it with Gronk. I think actually a year out is sometimes the best thing for them because it allows their body to recover and heal and and they come back feeling quite fresh. So I think if he is, you know, the play he was in Chicago at the end of his career, this is an incredible deal for the Chiefs. Um, if it means they're moving on from Duvernay Tardif and Cole Long is going to play right guard, um, I'm, I'm less less positive because I think you're essentially replacing a, a solid guard with a, a question mark and you're probably not saving much money. Yeah, I, 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 my thoughts exactly. I'm completely with you on that. It's an interesting piece. I'm not sure it's necessarily the right piece, though. Um, Patrick Peterson, a player who has been in, it's fair to say, some decline. He's leaving Arizona after 10 seasons, and he's going to the Vikings on a one-year $10 million deal. This is probably the most Vikings move ever. I, I was gobsmacked at the price. Yeah. I can't believe, yes, you know, what is it, eight, eight Pro Bowls he's been to. He's had a phenomenal career and has been, you know, for a two, three-year period, was the best corner in the league. But for him now, as you said, he's been in decline in the last two years. For him to be commanding 10 million on the open market is, is shocking. You know, the Vikings, since Mike Zimmer's been there, they seem to throw obscene amounts of resources at the corner position, whether it be first-round picks, whether it be big money. Uh, at no point have they really had an answer. It, and, and this just, you know, reeks of that again, isn't it? It's throwing a load of money at a guy that you're hoping can come in and, and be the player he was probably three, four years ago. Um, I think, to be honest, I think with corners, once it's gone, it's gone. You don't tend to really see it. Some sort of bringing it back in any situation. Yeah, exactly. That. And the thing is, right, I really like Jeff Gladney. I think Jeff, Jeff Gladney is a good, is a really good player. I think they drafted well with him, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and I think he's someone who is worth the, the draft capital they paid on him. 
I was kind of on that fringe back of the first beginning of the second. That's kind of where he went. So um, I think that's there. And maybe Peterson's going to be a bit of a mentor to him. I don't know, but I just, yeah, I'm with you. I hate the money. Like it's just, it's just a name. It, it, it It's a classic desperation move of getting a name in for the sake of getting a name. And that's what I think you're getting with Peterson. You know, he's coming off a six game suspension with PEDs. He's not the player he once was. And great name he'll sell some shirts for you you'll probably make that money back but with a salary cap era i just don't i don't make it uh, a lot of sense there uh, at all a deal that i think everyone probably expected happened yesterday and the patriots are bringing back kyle van noy on a two-year deal so after leaving the patriots 12 months ago on a massive free agency deal to uh, miami in which the patriots got a fourth round pick He's now back in Foxborough. I mean, obvious, right? Yeah, this is just the Patriots being the Patriots. I think this is the kind of deal that they make every year. Normally, you know, this would be more beneficial to them because it wouldn't affect that compensatory pick formula. But obviously, with the way they've spent so far in free agency, um, that's all gone kind of out the window. But they they know what they're getting. You know, he's going to be a very solid player for them. It's a decent price. And yeah, it's, it's completely risk-free, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is completely risk-free. And why not? Because he's, he's still a very, very good level player. Um, the Raiders are bringing in former number three overall pick Solomon Thomas, uh, which they, you know, the Raiders are rebuilding their offensive line and now they're rebuilding their defensive line uh, with with Thomas. Why, why not? You know, he's he's got potential. He's, you know, he's obviously a high pick in the draft. He, he's shown flashes. I don't think he's ever been consistent for the 49ers, but you could argue that he's never really been given, you know, a, a true workload. When you look at the guys that he's competing with, you know, there was obviously Forrest Buckner and, and Eric Armstead and, and um, Bosa as well. Um, he's never really been given a full role to play. And I think if you're going to chuck him in, he's a guy that can, you know, play on the edge in, those sort of first and second downs, you know, we talked about using Yannick Ngokwe as a, as a pure situational pass rusher. And I think this sort of move allows them to do that. You can use Solomon Thomas on first two downs, kick him inside on those pass rushing downs. And actually, if, if you, the Raiders are going to be able to line up, you know, Clelin Farrell, Max Crosby, Solomon Thomas and Yannick Ngokwe as a, as a front four on obvious passing situations, I, I think that's actually going to be quite an impressive front four. Yeah, he is coming off the ACL. So uh, I think that was week two last year he got an ACL injury. So um be interesting to see how, I mean, this ACLs aren't what they used to be. Um, players come back, he had it early enough. It shouldn't impact him for training camp. Um, but it'd be interesting because it's effectively, he's had the best part of two years not playing now. So it'd be interesting to see how he comes back. But yeah, why not? If it's cheap enough, it makes complete sense to do it. Um, before we talk about some of the, uh, leftover free agents and, and make some predictions where they're going to go. There's two bits of kicker news. Normally I sort of stick these at the end, but both of these are quite significant signings for two top kickers in the game. The Cardinals have signed Matt Prater, 
uh, former UCF Golden Knight. In fact, he graduated from UCF the same year I did. Uh, I didn't know Matt Prater, by the way, um, <laughs> but we were in the same graduating class from the same university. Uh, he is uh, getting a two-year deal with the Cardinals, and then the Buccaneers are signing former Mr. Irrelevant, first ever Mr. Irrelevant to win the Super Bowl, Ryan Suckup, to a three-year, $12 million deal. Um, so two kickers getting paid really good money. I think uh, Prater's getting something like seven, seven, eight million. I, I hate to disappoint you, Murph, but I'm I'm not really uh, one for for kicker takes. So yeah, to to me, kickers are kickers as long as you know you can find a young Hoku off the scrap heap and, and stick him in. So uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to give you any great insight. Well, I would normally agree with you, but given the fact that until Ryan Suckup came in the building, there was a ten year period between when Matt Bryant left uh, Tampa to go to Atlanta. And when Ryan Suckup signed, where we had a whole host of kickers, drafting them in the second round, uh, signing them off free agency, and none of them worked. And Tampa is a difficult place to kick because you get the wind. It's a low, you've got one side of the low stadium. It creates a bit of a swirl that you you basically, it's very, very difficult to accurately kick there. And Ryan Suckup was brilliant um, last season. And he made his last 20 kicks in the postseason. He went 20 for 21. So he missed his first kick of the, of the postseason, then made the next 20. And I'm glad they paid him. Um, I wouldn't, I would normally agree with you, Rich. I think any other team in the league, I would probably sit here and go, yeah, that's a bit much. But when you finally get a guy who kicks field goals and it's been 10 years for a team, I think you've got to sign him. And I think he had him over a barrel. I think he had him over a barrel. I think he just said, look, I want to come back, but I want to be paid like a top five kicker. And that's what he's got because he's earned it because he's the only guy in 10 years. who's proved he can kick there consistently. So I'm I'm happy. I think that's a good bit of business for the Buccaneers. They've overpaid, but I, I think it's a position that if you have a bad kicker or you've got a guy who can't kick, you're struggling. And I think if you're in an indoor arena, it, I would never do it. But an outdoor arena, I think you've got to. Let's look at some of the free agents. Um, so we still have Kenny Golladay on the board, uh, Jadavian Clowney, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mitchell Swart, and Justin Houston. They're the only six players remaining in the top 30 of the NFL.com's 101 free agents. Um, so we've got three wide receivers, two edges, and uh, Mitchell Swartz. By the way, you, you made a... a, a a comment in the group chat yesterday which I completely agree with I don't understand how Jadavian Clowney is number seven I don't know I wouldn't have him in the top 30 personally but that's just me but he is a player who has got immense talent who's just never consistently delivered on that talent but let's look at these six players where do we think realistically they're all going to go I think Kenny Golladay, I, I was penciling into the Giants for the last, you know, 48 hours. Very interested that the Bengals have suddenly popped up late last night. Um, I think that's fascinating. I think, you know, you'd like to think that they're going to spend some resources on that offensive line. But actually, if they're going to go and give Joe Burrow another weapon, you know, that receiving core is suddenly absolutely terrifying. If you've got Kenny Golladay, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, it's, um, yeah, it's really really something to fear um, and, and would be fantastic for um, for Joe Burrow as long as he can stay upright. I just can't see him leaving New York without a deal. I just can't see him leaving New York without a deal. I don't think they're going to let him out of the building. 
I just, I just don't, I just don't see it happening. I just think this is just a match made in heaven for Galladay. It's a big stage. New York is a big franchise to go to. Um, he's getting to a hit, you know, and I think they'll pay him the big money to to go. And I think this this deal, I, I reckon, is probably close to being done. Yeah, I, I think that Kenny Galladay's he's probably quite enjoying being, you know, sought after, shall we say? He, he was, uh, I think he was non, he didn't get a star rating in high school in terms of being a recruit. So he wasn't heavily recruited heading into college. He, he wasn't, you know, a, a first round pick. He wasn't really desired in the draft. And, and I think that for him, you could see that him drag this out for, you know, three, four, five days and, and really enjoy being, you know, the belle of the ball, quite frankly. Yeah, uh, that I I can see that. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. What do you think is going to happen with uh, Jadavian Clowney? I I have no idea. I think, you know, like Patrick Peterson, you're probably paying more money for, for name rather than production. I think he was absolutely woeful last year. I think if he goes into a situation where he is used correctly in terms of as a situational pass rusher on the inside... And occasionally used on the outside as a you know as a run stuffer. I think he could be offered decent value, but it depends on the price. I'm not. I'm probably not willing to pay him more than sort of five six million a year. Um, I think his his asking price. You know, we we talked about it last year. It was around that sort of eighteen to twenty million range. I think if his asking price is still in that range, he's probably going to be sat there for quite a while. I think because um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of his. Over the last two years, I think if a, a, you know a, a true competitor, if they can bring him in as a you know a, a third or fourth, the end sort of off the board, then he's probably a decent buy. But I, I have no idea in terms of landing spot. To be honest, I've got I've got I've got two, and it's because it's the two franchises I believe are going to overpay the most: the Las Vegas Raiders and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see both of those. I think, you know, if the Raiders are bringing in Solomon Thomas, I guess that would probably take them out of Clowney. I couldn't spend, see them spending money on five kind of potential edge rushers. I think the Vikings makes a lot of sense. You know, they, as we said, they've overpaid for Peterson based on name value. I could see them, you know, Mike Zimmer feeling like he can get the best out of out of um, out of Clowney. I, I, I do wonder if. The Seahawks could be a, you know, a sneaky under the radar option. Obviously, he was there previously. We've seen them let Carlos Dunlap go. There is a fairly obvious hole. He, he was right for the Seahawks. Let's not pretend he was phenomenal. But I could see if they're going to get him on a, you know, an under underpriced deal, he could be the kind of Seahawks fit a hole, and and they think that they're true competitors. Yeah. What about Will Fuller? God knows. I have no clue with Will Fuller. I have no idea how the NFL are viewing him. I have no idea how much this PED suspension is hanging over him. I have no idea how much this injury is hanging over him. I think wherever he goes, it's probably going to be a, a one-year prove-it deal. And I think that it'll probably be a bargain and he'll probably be fantastic. And then he'll probably disappoint when he signs a long-term deal. So, yeah, I think he could go anywhere. I think if he ended up in Indianapolis, it would be phenomenal. Don't know if they're going to actually spend any money. I think I saw a report yesterday that they're kind of saving all their their money and keeping their powder dry to sort of re-sign their own. I know they've got a few big names coming up. 
Um, but yeah, may, maybe Green Bay. They were obviously interested in him as by trade at the middle of last year. And if if his market is that depressed, could we see Green Bay sneaking in and, and getting him sort of on a one year prove it deal? My initial thoughts is the logical choice is Green Bay. But with the way that they've approached free agency so far, I if I was a betting man. I would say that Will Fuller is going to be a Miami Dolphin. They're in the market for a wide receiver. They're definitely in the market for a wide receiver. Um, I think he's going to be cheap enough to do it. And I think the fact is that the Miami Dolphins have got quite a bit of money. They haven't done what they did last year, which was go out and sign everybody. They have sat back. They've added a couple of special teamers, a couple of low-level picks or players nothing significant at all no starter level caliber player because i think they're sitting here waiting for this this wide receiver market to open up i don't think they're going to get juju i just can't see them investing heavily in juju i think and i don't think they're going to invest heavily in Golladay. so i think they're going to go the next best option which is kind of hedge their bet and go with will fuller I think from a talent and fit perspective, Juju would, for me, Juju would be a better fit in Miami than Will Fuller because I think you've already got, you've already got your, you know, your prototypical X and, and your sort of Z in terms of Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. I think that what they could utilise is a high volume slot receiver. And that's, that's exactly what Juju is. I think if you can stick Juju in that offence as, the number one in terms of target volume, but not somebody that's having to, you know, go outside and, and go up against other teams' number one corners. I think that would bring the best out of Juju, and I think that would lift that offense up an entire tier. I'd question with Will Fuller whether his kind of talent and his skill set crosses over too much with a Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. But I do agree with you that I think. Miami are going to do something at the receiver position, whether it is Will Fuller, whether it's Juju, or, or whether it's someone high in the draft. I think they're bringing another elite, top-tier body into that receiver room. Yeah, I, I think they're going receiver in the draft. Just that, That's just the inclination I get. I see them going receiver in the draft, and I see them taking one in free agency, and that's what makes me think they're not going to pay the big, big money. They've still got Devontae Parker on good money. I don't think they're going to pay ridiculous money and that's what that's what I think it will take to get Juju so I and I agree with you I think Juju would be a better fit but I think they're going to draft a receiver which makes me think that they might take Will Fuller if the market is depressed enough on this sort of prove it year even a two-year deal I don't think they're in love with Preston Williams I don't think that I think they like him I think they like him a fair bit but I don't think they are in love with him plus the injuries and everything else and I think they need to bring in multiple receivers. You know, they've got, if Preston Williams isn't fully fit and you can't put your money on him, you're looking at it going, we've well, got Devontae Parker, Brian Edwards. No, not even Brian Edwards, sorry. Um, Lynn Bowden, I mean. Lynn Bowden, who's not a natural receiver. You're my guy, my guy Malcolm Perry. Malcolm the Perry. back running back receiver hybrid. I mean, like, yeah, that's what I mean. It's got a lot of multi-position guys. So I think, yeah, it'd be interesting. So let's, let's look at Juju. Where do we think Juju is going to land? Because I'll be honest, this is the one I'm really struggling with because I think it's going to take a big deal. And the only team I think who who would pay him that kind of money, I wonder if it's the Bengals, you know. 
or the Ravens? So my my under the radar option is I think the Jets are interested. So the Jets are obviously in an interesting situation. Jameson Crowder is due to make 10 million, but they can cut him and I think it's 2 million they did get dead cap. Um, I don't think he's a natural fit in terms of, I think Joe Douglas wants, you know, under the radar guys that come in, do their work, go home. I don't think he wants these kind of big, you know, loud personalities. But in a press conference last week, he was asked, you know, what do you think of Juju as a talent? And he said, well, would, would he be a fit in terms of personality? And then he turned around and said, talent, talent trumps personality overall. So I do wonder if the Jets could make an exception, bring in someone like Juju, you let Crowder go. And if you're paying Juju 16 million, it's yes, it's, you know, it's decent money. But actually, if you're only paying him 6 million more than you were going to pay Jameson Crowder, I don't see it as, you know, obscene money to be spending there. No, that's a good point. Um, I think he's the most fascinating here because I don't, I think he can fit into a lot of different schemes. I think he's probably the most versatile receiver left on the board. And I think he's probably the big of the big three. And I think he's the safest because he's never had big injuries. He's never had, he's not at his absolute ceiling and peak because of what's happened the last two years, but he is versatile. He can do a lot of different things. Galladay, you've got the worry with the injuries and he is a one type of receiver full of PDs and injuries. And he's a one type of receiver. Juju, you can you can mould into a lot of def- a lot of offensive schemes, and you can open up the playbook to him. He's also crazy young. Yeah. he's three three and a half years younger than Kenny Golladay, and they're at the same point in their career. Like, how often do you get a twenty four year old receiver that has produced to the level he has produced on the free agent market? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, let's look at Mitchell Swartz. Where do we think Mitchell Swartz is going to end up? Who Who is in desperate need of, of tackles at this stage? I think he's going to go to a contender on a, on a one-year deal. I think you can pencil that in. I wouldn't be shocked. You know, we, we talked about maybe Carl Long playing right tackle for the Chiefs. I wouldn't be shocked if he went back there on a, you know, a very low salary. But I, I don't see him getting anything more than a one-year deal. And I don't see him wanting to go anywhere that he, he doesn't think he can... You know, win a title. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I'm worried about his back injury. He's had surgeries coming off the injury, and I think you're right. I think he gets a private deal at best. The two teams to me that make the most sense here, and this is where for me the New York Jets are fascinating because I think he is a perfect addition for the New York Jets because it's it's almost risk-free. And I think if the Jets don't do that, that is another sign to me that they are going to go tackle in the draft. I just think that when you can get a player like Mitchell Swartz coming off his injury, unless he's so banged up he's going to have to retire, I think you can get him, I think you get for six mil or less because of what has happened and where it's transpired. So I think that that's one to watch, but I think the Colts probably makes the most sense, given that they've lost uh, Anthony Costanzo. Yeah, they need to I, replace someone there, and I think they like veteran guys. I think with them that makes a lot of sense. It's it's whether one of I can't think of their right tackle is it Smith? Um, 
I think whether one of them can kick across and play left is the question. A sneaky one, I wonder, is I wonder if the Ravens end up trading, um, I can't think of his name, but Brown, the right tackle, who's demanding that he wants to play on the left side. Could you see the Ravens go and sign Mitchell Swartz? We know that they love veteran linemen. We know that you know they love not spending money on guys that are true free agents and instead have been cut so it doesn't affect their comp picks. And I do wonder, could you pencil in Mitchell Swartz? Could you then trade? You know, we've seen the rumours of DJ Chark plus picks for the tackle. You can then go and make that deal and and really the drop-off is is pretty much non-existent. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's going to be interesting. I think that there's a big market for him, um, 100%. So the last uh, big one is Justin Houston. I'm not completely unconvinced he doesn't come back. I think... Again, I'm shocked. I was shocked with the Jadavian Clowney being in the top 30. I'm shocked with Justin Houston being in the top 30. I think he's being ranked there on past performance. I don't think last year he was, you know, a great player. Yes, where if he can go and sign for a contender as a situational pass rusher that he's playing, you know, 20 snaps a game, I think it could be a good deal. But if the Colts aren't willing to bring him back, if that's what he's looking for, then I'd have serious questions because I think he's a perfect fit for them to come back as that, you know, third edge rusher off the bench. And if they're, if they're saying, yeah, we don't want to pay that, then I'd say they know an awful lot more than the rest of the NFL. And, and that would be big red flags. Yeah, I agree. Um, some selected others to watch where we've talked about these names, um, but David Andrews, the center, he's definitely not going back to new England. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes. Anthony Harris. Haven't heard anything on him yet. I'm shocked uh, with Harris because I think he is. I think he's a fantastic player. He had he had a questionable year last year, but so did that entire Vikings defense. I think that I expected him to be snapped up very quickly in in a similar mould to kind of um, the Browns slapping up Johnson. And I can't believe that Harris is sat out there. I would be very willing to pay him, you know, nine ten million a year. I think he's a, a fantastic safety. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a fascinating reason why he's still out there makes me think why but maybe people are trying to get him cheap um you know we talked about the other tackle eric fisher i think he is similar to swartz he'll go to a contender uh daquan jones and those tackle we still have the two major running backs here chris carson and kenyon drake i'm not that surprised they're still out there um because i think they could probably drag on a while because i i, I don't see a huge running back need market for either of these guys. I guess maybe Carson. I'm a little surprised he's still out there. I still think Drake is going to go back to the Cardinals because he's testing the market. He probably isn't getting what he wants. I think the Cardinals are going to re-sign him back cheap. I think both of these guys, you know, they they didn't sign deals. Obviously, Drake took the tag. Um, and they sort of thought that they'd be able to cash in this year, but they're both victims of the fact that we had, you know, a phenomenal running back class. There's eight guys that are bell cows heading into this year, you'd expect. And I think that, you know, you you, you can never expect a, a running back class to do that well. And both these guys are sitting out there as a result of it. Yeah. Um, Don Gusu is still out there. I do expect him, if they can get the money right, to go back to Tampa because Tampa have just decided that there's no other free agents that they're really interested in other than maybe James White. Um, so they just want to re-sign their guys and just go again. So I think, Sue, the conversations are happening. Um, I understand they're fairly advanced, 
I do think that gets done, and I think Sue will end up back in Tampa. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, who even knows anymore? Um, He'll get a backup job somewhere. Yeah, but I just I, I'm trying to think where. I'm trying to think where he gets a job because I, I genuinely don't even know. Because um, the only backup jobs available right now, I you mean, got the Jets. You got you got the Jets, the Buccaneers, but I think the Buccaneers will sign Gabbert. Uh, the Falcons could go to the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, interesting. I'm, I'm, there'll be, you know, he's proven he's got starting NFL experience. He's, yes, he's not fantastic, but he will get a job as a backup somewhere. Let's be honest, Chase, Chase Daniel has, has been a backup in the league for, you know, what is it, 10 years, 12 years now? a team is going to say, right, let's go and pay Mitch Trubisky three, four million a year and he can come in and be our backup. And if we do get an injury, he's a good number two. It, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm not that bothered about where it goes, to be honest, but uh, it's just just funny that he's still out there. Um, still six teams have yet to acquire an agent, a free agent from another team. That's the Bucks, the Colts, the Eagles, the Falcons, the Packers and the Rams. Uh, similar to where we were yesterday, none of those teams added to their rosters. Uh, yesterday with new players um, from other teams. Um, just to quickly rattle through some of the news uh, yesterday, uh, Browns are closing in on bringing back former uh, Super Bowl MVP linebacker Malcolm Smith. Uh, Dolphins are signing former Bills and Washington speedy wide receiver Robert Foster. Uh, Raiders have signed former Bills and Seahawks defensive lineman Quinton Jefferson. I think that's a tidy deal. Um, for the Raiders are really building that defensive line. The Eagles have officially released Alshon Jeffrey. Um, they also released um, Malik Jackson, who I think is probably worth some money to somebody out there. Um, be interesting to see where he lands. Broncos have signed Mike Boone. I think this is starting to spell the end of Philip Lindsay in Denver. Yeah, agreed. We talked about it the other day, didn't we, when they signed him to the low, low free agent tender. Um, I think that's saying... Lindsay's out the door. Although having said that, we've just talked about running backs not being able to find homes with with Drake and Carson and Connor, and you might be able to chuck Lindsay in that. Could he end up playing the year on the on the um, restricted tender and, and be a true free agent next year? Yeah, uh, Cowboys bring back uh, slot cornerback uh, Jordan Lewis on a three year deal. I wouldn't have given him a three year deal. I don't think he's that good. Um, the Browns are bringing back Rashad Higgins on a one-year deal. I thought he deserved better than a one-year deal, but I guess they're waiting to see what they're going to do with OBJ to decide what happens. But Higgins has good chemistry with Baker Mayfield, so I'm a little surprised it was only a one-year deal, but need to must, I suppose. Uh, Bears have agreed to terms with defensive lineman uh, Angela Blackson on two-year contract. Um, the Bengals are signing uh, Larry Okunjobi, uh, who's an underrated defensive lineman on a one-year deal. Seahawks are, are trading a 2021 fifth round pick uh, to the Raiders for Gabe Jackson. I just I can't keep up with what the, the Raiders are doing. <laughs> I think something serious must have happened with Hudson and Jackson because I don't get why you've taken what was a you know a solid offensive line and a, a top ten offense last year, and you've now three you know three offensive linemen without any obvious replacements yes I know they've signed a couple of bodies but I just I'm a little bit concerned that something big has happened behind the scenes there in order for them to be shipping them out absolutely the Texans are on their quest to add over 100 guys in free agency to their roster 
they've agreed a two-year deal with cornerback Tavari Thomas, who was with the Browns. Don't know a lot about him. I know he wasn't a starter, so I guess another special teams guy. Maybe they're deciding they're just going to have a third roster just to special teams guys. Um, as I said, I think they're just holding a giant tryout. I think they're just going to hold a giant tryout. Um, and it's literally like the replacement. It's just everyone come along. And they're just going to sign people to really cheap deals and see what happens. Um, when you've not got any draft picks, I guess that's what you can afford to do. Yeah. Uh, Josh Oliver is being traded from the Jaguars to the Ravens. Do I, I don't really care. I was, I was quite hopeful that Josh Oliver would be something this year. Um, I thought he could be a sneaky kind of buy low candidate in Titan premium or deeper Titan leagues. Yes, I, you know, the, the Ravens are good at producing tight ends and developing tight ends. I'm a little bit hopeful still, but, you know, it completely caps his ceiling when he's going to be lining up behind Mark Andrews. You know, Nick Paul is going to be in on, on running downs. So he's, he's really only going to be a situational tight end at best. Yeah. Um, Panthers are signing ex-Rams defensive lineman Morgan Fox on a two-year $8.1 million deal. Uh, that's worth uh, seven million guaranteed. I think this again from the Panthers this is another good bit of business. I think that's quite cheap um, for definitely a rotational guy at worst and potentially start level talent at best. Um, so I, I do like that. I think it's a good signing from them. Um, the Texans signed another special teamer from the Browns. Uh, Tay Davis is joining them. So again, just more guys. Um, probably going to sign one of you or me next week um, as the market starts to get quiet. So we'll see what happens. 49ers continue to re-sign their own. They are re-signing defensive tackle DJ Jones on a one-year deal. Uh, Bengals are re-signing cornerback Tony Brown. The Patriots have released uh, very early this morning, just a couple of hours ago, Marquis Lee and Bo Allen. I mean, Marquis Lee sat out last year and Bo Allen didn't play because he was crocked. So, uh, I think this was just nothing more than procedural moves to to free up some money, but I don't think it. Yeah, I mean they're they're just not fit of the new Patriots moving forward. Um, my favourite bit of news yesterday is uh, former Packers quarterback Tim Boyle um, is staying in the NFC North and he's signing with the Lions as as Jared Goff's backup. I mean that is terrific. I can't believe that Tim Boyle got a job before Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> I mean, that is, I mean, like Tim Boyle. I don't know how old Tim Boyle is now, but he's he's getting on a bit. Yeah, it's questions when you you know you make a big deal trying well, to trade, trade trade Chase Daniel and then you replace him with Tim Boyle. I quite like Tim Boyle, you know. I just think he's he's a bit of fun. Um, I've seen worse players in my life play. Um, I, I remember him at UConn, um, and I thought he was he was. A, you know, thought he was an all right player. I mean, he, he's not one for completing a lot of passes, but when he does, they're they're terrific. <laughs> um, it, yeah, so here we go. So he's going to be the backup to Jared Goff. Um, it makes sense. Two highly inaccurate quarterbacks uh, tied together. Maybe they can improve <laughs> each other. So uh, why not? Um, and that'll do it. I think that is everything from uh, from the news today. You were going to be busy tomorrow so i'm gonna to have to find someone else to come and join me tomorrow i believe if, if that's right yeah yeah i'm i'm otherwise engaged tomorrow so yeah so you have to to bring somebody else in to uh, to fill my boots well we you know we've not done loads of shows together so i've really enjoyed this week rich i've had a lot of fun doing this with you we'll uh, have to do some more shows together i think we've had a, a good time doing this uh, we've broken down i was doing the counts last night over 200 pieces of news this week so um <laughs> 
you know, really, we're, we're the true MVPs of, of free agency, bringing all the news to UK and American fans. So um, thanks for sticking with us. Um, there should be a show tonight. I guess it partly depends on how much news there is. And if there is some news, I will be back tomorrow. And if there's not, I'll probably still just come back for a few minutes just to complete the week and uh, finish my reps. But uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Rich, thanks very much for coming on this week and, and doing this with me. I've really enjoyed it. No, thank you very much. It's been great. And Rush Nation, don't forget, tune in either later on today or tomorrow or both preferably. And we look forward to seeing out the rest of Free Agency Week. However, until then, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.